Well, that's certainly a funny video. Um, we, uh, we pray that this year the Lord will show us some things uh, that, that we need to do a little bit better. Uh, what's, the, what's the most common thing that people do when a new year begins? As you can see from the video, everybody typically puts down or makes some New Year's resolutions. Now, I don't know how many people in the room this morning have made any uh, New Year's resolutions or uh, some types of goals that maybe you have for this year. But one thing I will say about New Year's resolutions is that goals are certainly good to have. Matter of fact, that old familiar quote typically holds true failing to plan is planning to fail. So I think though we laugh about New Year's resolutions and whether or not they actually happen, I think it's still good for us to set goals that we want to achieve for the new year. As a matter of fact, I was reading just this past week and I came across an article from Country Living Magazine. The article put together this interesting uh, idea for New Year's resolutions. The article was titled, 28 Funny New Year's Resolutions to Ring in a Joyful 2023. Now, I'm not going to share all of them, but I thought some of them were pretty good. I thought some of them were pretty interesting for us to think about this morning. One of them was, this year, I'm going to order every drink on the Starbucks menu. In other words, instead of getting what I always get when I go, I'm going to start at the top. And every time I visit Starbucks, I'm going to buy something different until I've tried everything on the menu. Now, if anybody who knows me and how picky I am, this is certainly not one of my New Year's uh, resolutions. One of the other ones I read was, this year I'm going to flamingo a friend's yard for their birthday or an anniversary. Now, I'm not exactly sure what flamingoing someone's yard is, so if I've said something dirty, I really apologize. Um, <laughs> But I don't know, maybe some, of the, maybe some of the young people can help us know a little bit more about uh, what that means to destroy a friend's yard. I don't know. Uh, one of the other ones I read was, stop drinking your morning coffee after you brush your teeth. I thought about that one for a minute, and I thought, who would do that? And then I realized, I drink my morning coffee once I get here to work every day, and I've certainly already brushed my teeth uh, by that point in time. So maybe that's you uh, as well. Let me share a couple others with you that I thought were funny. One was spend an entire night ending each and every sip of your drink with an enthusiastic, ah, baby. So every time you take a sip, you just end up with that phrase at the end. Join a buy nothing group on Facebook and trade up to see how big of an item you can get by buying absolutely nothing. How about this one? Keep gum or mints in your purse or your pocket and be the friend that always have them to give them out to people who ask for them. Listen, I would like for more of you to be that friend that every time I need a mint or a piece of gum, you just have it ready uh, to provide it for me. I read this one, work the phrase, time will tell into a conversation at least once a week. So once a week, whatever conversation you're in, I want you to end it or find some place in it to just go, you know what, friend? Time will tell. I don't know why that one was funny to me, but it was. How about this one? Stay only in interesting Airbnbs when you travel this year. Now, here's how they define the word interesting. A treehouse, a teepee, or an airstream. Those are the only three uh, types of places you can stay uh, when you travel. Host a Sunday supper for your friends at least 
once a month. Or how about this one? Learn the thriller dance by Halloween this year so you can do it uh, for all of your friends. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure that uh, um, any of these are resolutions that I may want or goals that I may, might want for this year. Uh, but I do know this, if we were to poll the audience this morning, we could certainly come up with our own set of interesting and possibly funny goals that we could set for the new year. Now, not even just thinking about the funny goals, there are the typical goals that everyone sets for every new year typically as well, such as I'm going to exercise more, or I'm going to eat healthy, or I'm going to spend less money slash save more money. I'm going to quit whatever bad habits I have. I'm going to spend more time with family and friends. I mean, there are the typical ones. There are the funny ones. You can call them resolutions. You can call them goals. You can call them attitude adjustments. You can call them whatever you want to call them. Whatever the case, we all have them because we've learned a few things from last year that we want to do differently or maybe that we want to do better for this year. I found this saying to be true, you live and you learn. But I want to follow up that question, that first question, what's the most common thing that people do in the new year with another question. We know that most people make resolutions for the year, but what about this? What does everyone who makes a new year's resolution have in common by January? I mean, by the end of January or February? They've already failed on them, right? They've quit. The resolutions have already been ruined before the month has even ended. Or at best, they're one and done, one month, and then they've failed. Listen, there are all sorts of, of statistics on rev resolutions. I read a few of them recently, too. Out of the people who make resolutions, nearly 50% admit to having infrequent success, and really that number's probably even higher. Many sources state that over 80% of New Year's resolutions never happen, and out of that group, many of them never even begin in the first place. First place. Matter of fact, listen, just this week, I was listening to the radio, and I heard about a study that Harvard University had put on. They studied a large group of people who set New Year's resolutions, and then they, they surveyed them to see how many of them actually kept the resolutions that they made. The study was kind of interesting. It showed what most of us would already know, that only 3% of those making resolutions actually kept them. So in other words, here's what that means. 97% of people did not keep their resolutions. But what's even more interesting to me is the one thing that each of the 3% did that helped them actually keep the resolutions. Here was the simple thing they did. They wrote down their resolutions. That was it. That was the common denominator behind the 3% that kept their resolutions. They wrote it down. That was the biggest difference between the 97% who didn't keep their resolutions and the 3% that did. Now, at first, here's what I was thinking. At first, I thought there must have been more to it. But I got to thinking about the important things in my life, and here's what began to happen as I thought about them. If there's an appointment that I don't want to miss, guess what I do? I write it down. If there's an event that I need to be at that I can't miss, guess what I typically do? I write it down. If there's information that I need to hold on to, guess what I do? I write it down. If there's a reminder or a task or a name or you fill in the blank, if it's important, we typically write it down. 
And so here's what I did this morning. I wrote down some things that were really important for me from this past year that I really want to take into a new year as I seek to honor God with my life. And I thought about that study, and here's what I thought about. If it's that important to write it down, here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. I want to challenge you with a few things to write down for this year. As a matter of fact, here's the first one. Write this down. Make your relationship with God your first priority. I know that seems pretty basic, right? And the truth is, it is extremely basic. How many of us by the end of January who have said, I want to make my relationship with God this year the most important relationship in my life? How many of us just by the end of January have already begun to fail on what should be most important in our lives? Write it down. Make your relationship with God your first priority. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 38. Someone came up, said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, this is Jesus speaking, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. You know what he was saying? Here's your first priority, folks. You need to make sure that your relationship with God is what's most important to you. Now, maybe you say, Danny, how can I make my relationship with God this year be my first priority? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. Let me give you a few of the ways for me that I make sure that God and my relationship with him is my first priority. Here's what I would challenge you with. Read your Bible often. Now you say, Danny, how much is often? It's that much. It's often. Read your Bible often. Do I need to read it once every hour? I'm not telling you that. Do I need to read it once every day? I'm not telling you that. Do I need to read it once every week? I'm not telling you that. You know what I'm telling you to do? Read your Bible often. Often, Man, one of the most impactful passages of Scripture from last year when we were reading through the Bible together came from Joshua chapter 1. I want to read a couple verses to you from that chapter, verses 6 through 9. Here's what Joshua wrote down. He said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law, all of the law of Moses that my servant commanded you to do. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then... For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Read your Bible often. It's your source of truth. It's your source of inspiration. It's your source for living daily in the power of God. In fact, you say, Danny, I want to do it. I want to 
commit to reading my Bible often. Well, can I tell you something, church? We're so serious about making yours and my relationship with God our first priority that if you walk out in this lobby and you look on that back wall, there are copies of a reading plan this year that you can do together with us as a church so that we can make sure that this year we make our relationship with God our first priority by reading our Bible often. There is no excuse to not have meaningful time with God this year. You said, Danny, how else can I make my relationship with God my first priority? I would tell you this, pray daily. You say, Danny, how often should that be? Daily, you should be in prayer before God. I was listening to uh, Vince this morning. He was sharing during our brotherhood breakfast time to, to challenge our, uh, our men for this year. And he was sharing some verses that were just highlighted for him of, of, of how this year could be successful, how this could be a good year for us, some reminders uh, for uh, a good year with the Lord. And he read a verse that stood out to me. It's from Philippians chapter four. He read, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How's that peace going to come? How's that reflection on what's most important going to come? How's that prosperous success that Joshua was talking about is going to come? It's all going to come as we spend time with Jesus. It's all going to come based on our relationship with God. You say, Danny, how can I have a closer relationship with God? Go to him in everything by prayer. Friends, there's no way you can make it through each day apart from the mercy and grace of God. Seek him for everything, big and small. You know what? More than self-help books and better workout routines, you know what we need for this year? We need the one who created us to guide our every step. What if we would turn to him? What if we would talk to him? What if we would spend time with him? You say, Danny, how can I make my relationship with God my first priority. Well, I would say read your Bible often. I would say pray daily. You know what else I would say to you? I would say get as involved as possible in the church that God has placed you in. Seriously, I would, I would encourage that as much as I would the first uh, uh, other two options that I encouraged you. Man, we need time in the word. We need time in prayer. You know what else we need? We need time with other believers who are pushing us to be better than we could ever be on our own. Hebrews chapter 10, I love these verses. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. You say, well, Danny, I come on occasional Sundays to worship services. Can I tell you something, friend? That's not enough for your faith to grow as God desires. You need a group of people. You need a small group that can challenge you and encourage you and pray for you and love you. You need other believers who can help you grow deeper in your walk with Jesus. You know what else? You need a ministry with other people where you can serve and, and, and love and use your gifts that God's given you. There are so many different groups that you can be a part of here, or listen, all sorts of churches across this county that you can get connected with, with other believers who are like you, who will push you to be better than you could ever be alone. You say, Danny, how can I make my relationship with God my first priority this year? Man, what if you would just read your Bible often? What if you would pray daily? And what if you would get as involved as you possibly can? No excuses 
in the church that God has placed you in. Could you imagine what your life would look like in 2023 if just this one thing that you wrote down would actually be that important in your life? I love how Paul put it in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what he was saying? Jesus is his first priority. You know what I thought about first when I was writing things down? I thought about how important is my relationship with God because I want it to be everything as I move forward in my life. Let me give you something else to write down. Here's the second thing on my list. Take every opportunity to love people. Every opportunity to love people. After Jesus made those statements in Matthew 22, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, this is the greatest. He followed it up with this. He said, and a second is like it. This is Matthew 22, 39 through 40. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All of it depends on these. Love God, first priority, right? Your relationship with him. And then just like it, the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. What if we would take every opportunity to love people. You know what I've learned this past year, especially as I've spent more and more time at First Baptist South Tilla? You know what I've discovered? Our church loves people really well. You say, Danny, what do you mean? You mean we've changed everything? We've impacted every person in the world? We've done everything uh, that could ever possibly be done? No, I'm not saying that at all, friends. There are tons that could still be done for people, not just in our area, but across the world. But you know what we have done? We've taken every opportunity that we've had to love others. You say, Danny, what does that look like? Well, it seems that we often think that since we can't help everyone or since we can't love everyone, then maybe we can't help anyone or love anyone. But I think there's a better way for us to think about how we can love and help others. What if we simply did for one what we wished we could do for everyone? You say, well, Danny, I can't do something for every person on the planet. I agree with that, but could you do it just for one? What if instead of taking every opportunity that's offered to the world, you just took every opportunity that's offered to you? This doesn't mean everything or everyone. It simply means taking the opportunities that God gives you personally to love others. Let me, let me help you process this, okay? You may not be able to end world hunger. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could just end world hunger? But I bet you could provide food to one. You may not be able to tell the entire world that Jesus died for them. Your voice may not be that loud, but you can certainly tell one. You may not be able to help restore every broken relationship in the world, but can I tell you something? You might be able to help one of your friends who's considering divorce. You may not be able to encourage every person who's ever been discouraged, but you might be able to help one who's given up on life. You may not be able to do it for everyone, but what if you decided to do for one what you wished you could do for everyone? I love how John put it in 1 John 4, 8. He said, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
Obviously, loving others should be important to us because it was so important to God. In fact, here's how Jesus said it in John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If God was willing to give up everything in order to have the, a right relationship with people, if his focus was so intense on loving people, then maybe that's a clue, a hint, that ours should be too. I was writing this down, and here's what was going through my mind. How many opportunities have I missed this past year to love others like Jesus loves me? I don't know about you, but I want that to be different this year. I want to take every opportunity to love people. Can I give you something else to write down? Write this down. Discover what God wants you to do, and then do it on purpose. Discover what God wants you to do and then do it on purpose. You ever heard that statement before? Man, I've heard that so many times, but I've heard a thousand times, but it came, uh, became so relevant to me after looking back at this past year. I've spent so much time thinking about myself and, and, and what I want and how I would do things that I oftentimes forget about God and what he wants and what he desires. Jesus described it like this in Matthew 6, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. As a matter of fact, Paul gives us some similar advice, but a little bit differently when he's talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Here's what he wrote. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God has gifted each of us to serve him and accomplish his purposes. Now, can I tell you something? It's hard for me to do this when all I think about are my own desires or all I think about are my own purposes without thinking about his. Now, let this, let this sink in without exaggeration. You ready? God wants to use us to change the world. Let me say it again. I am not exaggerating. Let it sink in. God wants to use us. You say, Danny, a simple people from, from uh, Northeast Mississippi. Yes, he wants to use us right here at First Baptist to literally change the world. Matter of fact, let me put it a little differently to you. Here's how Paul shares this with the church at Ephesus. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. And don't miss it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, he wants to use us to change the world. Or how, how about how Jesus put it in John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Do we really believe this? Do we really believe without exaggeration that Jesus wants to use us to change the world? If we do, we need to discover how he wants to use each of us to do it, and then we need to get after it. Why should we contend to continue to live status quo when we can be the ones this year to actually challenge it? You might know this. I graduated from William Carey University, but you may not know much about that particular name. William Carey was one of the most famous missionaries in history, and he didn't let anyone keep him from challenging the status quo of his day. 
As a matter of fact, when no one thought he should go and share Jesus with those who haven't heard, he simply ignored it and he trusted God. They thought it would be impossible or even worse, an absolute waste of his time. You know what they said to him? They thought if God wanted to save the heathen or those who don't know Jesus, then he would do it without using us. But that didn't hold William Carey back. His response to this nonsense has been quoted many times throughout the years. Here's what he said. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. What if that was our desire this year? Not just that we expect God to use us to change the world. What if we actually lived in a way where we wanted to see the world changed by the power of Jesus being unleashed in us? I read this quote from a book titled Tribes. Here's what the writer put. The largest enemy of change and leadership isn't a no, it's a not yet. Not yet is the safest, easiest way to forestall change. Not yet gives the status quo a chance to regroup and put off the inevitable inevitable for just a little while longer. As a matter of fact, listen, he kept going. Here's what he said. The safest thing, once you stand against the status quo, the safest thing you can do feels risky, and the riskiest thing you can do is play it safe. What if we adopted that in our relationship with Jesus? What we once thought might be crazy, we now realize is the power of God at work in you and in me. Now, I know what you're thinking. Danny, you're being a little too advantageous. (laughs) You're being a little too crazy. Well, maybe so. I'm certainly not saying that this will be easy. What I am saying is that it will forever be worth it. As a matter of fact, I've heard it said, if the size of your vision for life is not intimidating to you, there's a good chance it's insulting to God. May that never be us. This is certainly an intimidating thought that we could discover what God wants us to do and then do it on purpose, that we could allow his power to be unleashed on us to change the world. I'm with you, intimidating, but this is what God wants us to do, so let's do it on purpose. Let me give you another thing to write down. I've only got two more. I should have started with the five things to write down, then you would know where we are in the process, right? Number four, write this down. If God always met your expectations, he would never exceed them. I'm going to say it again. I love this quote. If God always met your expectations, he would never exceed them. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I've certainly learned the hard way, as probably many of you have done before, that just because I want something to happen a certain way doesn't mean that God will do it that way. As a matter of fact, bigger than that, it probably shouldn't be done the way that I want it to be done. But in those moments, I don't see that, right? You with me? I want things to be done my way, on my time, how I want it to happen. Is that not typically how most of us function. I can't help but think that this must certainly have been the case in John chapter 11 when Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. You see, when Lazarus was sick, Lazarus, by the way, one of Jesus' closest friends, his family sent word to Jesus and said, come and help us. Our brother's sick. We need you. 
But here's what many of you know as you've read the story before, Jesus didn't come immediately to their aid. In fact, John tells us in John chapter 11, verse six, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now here's what I'm thinking, and probably you, when I need Jesus, I expect him to come immediately to my aid. But that's not always how God works. As a matter of fact, sometimes following Jesus might disappoint you because God's perspective is different from yours. You might think God should have done something one way, but he decided it is better another way. This could oftentimes lead to pain, sometimes even doubt that you might have in your life toward God. In fact, you might be in this room right now this morning and God didn't do something the way that you wanted him to do it and you might still be mad about whatever it was that God decided was a better way. You would think this is how the family of Lazarus would have acted. By the time Jesus finally made it to see his friend, here's what we know, Lazarus died. Listen to what Lazarus' sister says to Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Jesus waited a few more days, heard that his friend was sick, didn't come when they thought he should. Finally, he arrives, and here's what the sister to Lazarus says to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words... If Jesus would have did what she wanted him to do, the situation would look a lot different than it does right now. You ever been in a situation like that one before? You there right now in a situation where you think God should be doing something a little bit different? If only Jesus had done what you wanted, everything would be better. This is where I expect most people to be in this type of situation. This is what I would expect from the sister of Lazarus, the close friend of Jesus, but that's not what she says. Matter of fact, John 11, verse 21 and 22, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I wrote this down because here's what I realized. When you're faced with unmet expectations, and believe me, you have been and you will be, never forget that even now, Jesus can do something great. As a matter of fact, every time I read the story of Lazarus, and I don't know why, don't, don't pick on me about it, but it's just what happens. I'm always reminded of a time, there's an old LSU game from 2002 when they were playing Kentucky. Game still goes down as one of the, the, the greatest miracle plays ever in the history of college sports. LSU's down by a field goal. There's 11 seconds left to play in the game. The kickoff happens, uh, a, a, a quick pass play happens, and LSU's on their own 25-yard line with only two seconds left to play. Now, if you're unfamiliar what it means to be on your own 25-yard line, it means you got a long way to go to get to the other side. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't going to happen. Marcus Randall, LSU quarterback, heaved one last throw that somehow, you may have seen it before, miraculously bounces around, lands in the hands of a young man by the name of Devray Henderson for the touchdown and the win. You might remember this game. It's now called the Bluegrass Miracle. Now you say, Danny, why are you telling us about an old football game? Well, What's interesting to me is not necessarily the game, because listen, as those of you who are fans, you know there's always some you're going to win, and you know there's always some you're going to lose, right? It's just the fun and the nature of, of being a fan. 
I don't care about the game from 2002. What's interesting is what all took place during those final seconds before the game ended. You say, Danny, what do you mean? If you're watching that game, and if you still see the highlights to this day, here's what you will notice as the play, the final play is happening. The Kentucky coach is on the sideline, drenched in Gatorade, because they'd already dunked him as a victory to one of the, the, the best wins in their program's history. If you're watching the highlights or you were watching the game, the fans have already began to leave the stadium, and they're beginning to rush out on the field. There are security holding everybody back the best that they can. But listen to me. Doesn't matter that the Gatorade had already been poured out. Doesn't matter that they're already celebrating. Doesn't matter that the fans were beginning to rush out on the field. You want to know why? Because even now, Jesus can still work something incredible. Doesn't matter. That seems like the loss is yours. Doesn't matter that the victory, by the way, can you imagine when the coaches are drawing all that up before that game ever happened? That's not exactly how they're thinking the victory is going to come. You know what I'm saying? There'll be plenty of times in your life where your expectations will think that the victory needs to be one way, and God's got a whole nother set of plans. But can I just remind you of something? If we settle for our expectations, when will we ever get to see God exceed them? It's amazing, just when you think you can't go on, God pulls out a miracle. Just when you think things should have happened how you wanted, God shows up. Can I remind you of something? His perspective is greater than ours. His provision is greater than we can imagine. His promises are always true. His power is uncontainable. Paul put it like this. Doesn't always happen like you want, but it does happen for his glory. He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Why settle for our expectations when God will always exceed them? Let me give you this one. Write it down. This is it. Never quit striving for better. Never quit striving for better. The great apostle Paul wrote this about himself in Philippians chapter 3. He said, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can I remind you of something? None of us are perfect, and we never will be on this side of eternity. But that should never be an excuse for us to do nothing. We should be better today than we were yesterday. I'm reminded of an old story that's been told for years and years. I don't know how true it is, but it's about Dan Cathy, the former CEO of Chick-fil-A, who, in case you didn't know, helped transform this company into a billion-dollar organization that it is today. When being faced with opposition from other companies, when they were in one of the, their most vulnerable moments, when they were being, uh, uh, there, there were great competitors around them for their business, Chick-fil-A began to think about how they could get bigger. They felt that getting bigger was the ultimate goal of being the best specialty chicken restaurant that they could be. How could they branch out? How could they make other options? How could they get into this and get into this? And get, how could they get bigger? However, Dan Cathy was quick to point out that the goal was not to get bigger. The goal was to get better. And by getting better, their customers would demand that they get bigger. 
I thought, you know, it's a little different with a company and it is with my own life, but I still want this to be a focus for me every single year. That I would not focus on becoming what I think is bigger or more perfect, but that my focus will always be on being better. I just want to be better today than I was yesterday. As a matter of fact, this is summed up in a little statement that's become kind of famous in our offices. Here's the statement. I'm working on it. I want to get a banner made. I've shared this with several of you. I want to get a banner made that's hung above my office doorway before you ever walk in with a complaint or a suggestion or an opinion about something or something that's not working or something that needs to be fixed. or something. Here's what I want you to see before you ever walk in. I want you to see a phrase, a quote from me. Here's the quote. Believe me, friends, I'm working on it. I know that's not good. I know that could be better. I know that needs some fixing. I know that needs some attention. I know our church needs this. I know our community needs this. I know I personally need that. Trust me, I wake up every day and I look in the mirror and I see the person that you're looking at right now. Trust me, I know. I always remember those moments when I was a youth pastor. There was always that one kid in the youth group that on the day when I had like a massive pimple on my face, He'd be the first one to walk up and go, dude, what happened to your face? And I always tell him the same thing, no matter who that kid is. Matter of fact, I have one of those kids in my office that works with me every day who lets me know those things. <laughs> Here's what I want to say. Hey, buddy, I saw that in the mirror this morning. <laughs> hey, look, I feel it. All right, it's there. Hey, can I tell you something, friends? I know it's there, all right? Here, here would be my phrase. I'm working on it. Hey, what if, what if this year, what if there's some things that we could look at and say, you know what? I just want to be better today than I was yesterday. I just want to keep striving for better. Now listen, I know that's a lot of things to write down. I know you probably have plenty of your own things that you could write down without any of my suggestions this morning, but can I tell you something? Goals in life are great for all of us to have, and here's what we learned from an old Harvard study. There is, they are much more likely to happen when we write them down. So let me just give you a reminder of what we wrote down this morning. Is your relationship with God your first priority? I just think about that for a moment. Don't think about last year. Don't think about tomorrow. Think about right now. Is your relationship with God your first priority? Matter of fact, you might be in this room this morning. You might look at me and say, Danny, I don't even have a relationship with God. Hey, can I give you some good news this morning, friends? Jesus wants a relationship with you enough that he gave up his own life so that you could have it. You know what? In just a few moments, I'm going to walk back to that lobby back there. I'll be back there. Corey will be back there. There'll be other adults back there. You just say, you know what? I need a relationship with God. I want that to be my first priority this year. You know what? You just slip out. You come back there to that lobby. You come say, hey, Danny, I want to know more about how I can have a relationship with Jesus. And I'd love to take my Bible and show you how you can begin a relationship with him. Is your relationship with God your first priority? Can I ask you another question? Do you take every opportunity to love people? Think about those opportunities. Think about the people around you in your life. Think about the good that you can do to others because of the good that God has done to you. Can I ask you something, friends? Are you taking every opportunity to love people? You say, Danny, no, I haven't been, or man, I really want to be. I'm not asking about that. I'm asking about right now. Will you commit? Will you write it down? 
I want to take every opportunity to love others. Can I ask you another one? Listen, are you using your gifts to serve God? You say, Danny, what do you mean? Do you know what God wants you to do? And if you do, are you doing it on purpose? Are you using those for his glory and for his honor? Are you serving in a way that accomplishes what he wants rather than just what you want? Can I ask you another one? Listen, are you trusting God with your future? Are you sitting back thinking about all the things that you wish God would have done differently? You're thinking about all the things that, you know what, if you were God, you would have done it just a little bit differently than he has. Can I tell you something, friends? It never fails that when God doesn't meet my expectations, he always exceeds them. And if he always did what Danny wanted to do, can I tell you something? We would be in a very messed up place. Thank you, God, that you don't meet my expectations, but you always exceed them. Can I just ask you one more? Are you striving to be better? What about it, friends? I'm not talking about everything's different today than what it was yesterday. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just everything just flipping just like that, and it's just like nothing ever happened. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about steps every single day that just says, you know what? I want to be better than yesterday. I want to follow God more today. I want to be closer to him today. I want to serve him greater. I just want to be better today than I was yesterday. I really didn't want this to be some kind of self-help notes from Danny to you. As a matter of fact, I was joking uh, uh, with our staff when, when, when we were planning this service this week, and I told them this was going to be my title for today. The best me in 2023. And thankfully, I said it out loud because it would probably be the title today. Thankfully, I said it out loud, which by the way, it helps with a close group of people sometimes to say something out loud before you say it to a larger group of people. Because after I said it out loud, it really was apparent that nobody in this room needs to be the best me. Nobody in this room needs to be the best you. Everybody in this room needs to be more like him. (laughs) I don't know how you put that in a clever title. Let's be more like him. Maybe that would have been a simpler way to do that. But what if that really was true for this year? What if regardless of the things I asked you to write down, maybe you got some old things that you wrote down. Whatever it is, you got some stuff that God's shown you from last year that needs to be different for this year. And I just wonder how many of us are ready to get serious and say, okay, God, I want to be better. I want to strive to be better this year than I was last year. Whatever that looks like, whatever he wants, whatever he desires from us, would that just be our goal? That we be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. Listen, I don't know how that impacts you. I don't know if that means you need to give your life to Jesus. I don't know if that means you need prayer for some things you're struggling with. I don't know if that just means you need to spend some time with God right where you are. You can come up to this altar if you want to and spend time with God. As a matter of fact, the best person you can spend time with is him. But if you need a little help, there'll be some of us back there in that lobby this morning. We'd love to connect you with some ways. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to take our Bible and share with you how you can follow Jesus. Whatever you need, we'll be back there. But can I tell you something more than me? You need to spend some time with Jesus. And I'm gonna allow you to do that right now. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Praise you. You're awesome. God, thank you.